After 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Shall I, Malachi, shall I, Malachi? 
I was walking down a dark and lonely street A car came along and pulled up by my side And inside was a rabbi with a long white beard He said, son, I'm gonna take you for a ride Why don't we go up to Jerusalem Jerusalem, yeah, up to Jerusalem with me, yeah.
Shalom. Good evening, friends. Thank you so much for coming out tonight. Really warms our hearts to see so many beautiful faces, new and old. So let's have a lot of real holy fun tonight. Yes. Can't think, think of a better term for that. At least that's that's what we're having up here. So we need your help for this one.
Good morning. Welcome to 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills on the web, jmtheam.org. And of course, up in Rockland County, our brand new Rockland County signal at 91.9 on the FM dial. Good morning. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday on this May 17th, the eighth day in the month of Sivan. It's Isru Chag, at least outside of Israel. It is uh, Isru Chag. So what do we say? A Freilichen Zimmer? A Gesunden Zimmer? A Guten Zimmer? Which one? <laughs> Which one is the correct custom for this morning? Or at least for last night on the way out of shul? Uh, it's, a, it's a question I think we debated last year, and who knows how long we will continue to debate it. It's Friday on this Isru Chag, Erev Shabbos Parsha's Nusso with candle lighting time at 7.49 on this Erev Shabbos. 7.49. Many synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. You heard the um, amazing Shlomo Katz off of the Live in Melbourne CD with uh, Yismachu. That's a good one, all right. Uh, before that, Sholi Waldner with the um, Amain selection, excuse me, the Simintov selection off the Toiv Hashem album. Yehuda Glanz with Shabbat Shalom off Chai V'Kayam. From the Yes Legacy, you heard Jesse Green and Hine and Gershon Verob was up to Jerusalem. Regesh with Shalom Aleichem off Volume 3. And of course, Regesh with Modani opening things up off Volume 1 as we kick off a Friday morning broadcast. Hope you had a great Yom Tov, everybody. We, of course, were uh, off the air for Wednesday and Thursday as we observe the holiday of Shavuot. And I hope your holiday was a great one, and one filled with joy, one filled with a lot of uh, delicious treats, <laughs> which we often don't get on a regular day. just treats. Some of the treats we had, we don't often have on a regular, on, an, on another yunt, if you know what I mean. Anyway, and now welcome to a JMAM. We will have our regular Friday morning program. We have our Yudin coming up at 8.15 this morning. He'll discuss 
Parsha's Nusso. Malcolm Holmline will join me in discussion regarding current events. We call it the weekly update about 7.40 Eastern Time this morning. So tune in for that. And uh, I don't know what the plan is. I assume that uh, there will be some type of Saturday Night Seagull tomorrow night on the stream at uh, 10 p.m. Eastern Time. And I'll thank Avrami in advance for that. And, of course, Matis will have JM Sunday coming up to kick off our JM and AM week on the stream at jmnam.org this coming Sunday morning between 7 and 9 a.m. So we will uh, get back on track with a regular schedule. Today, an amazing mix of Erev Shabbos selections coming at you. Uh, really an amazing mix of Erev Shabbos selections happening on our stream. It is the absolute best way to get ready for Shabbos. To turn on our stream and just letting it roll all the way until candle lighting time. I cannot think, I don't know, of any better method to get ready on an era of Shabbos than with the jamtheam.org music stream. If you know of any, let me know. Uh, we've got some, uh, we've got some good weather out there, I'm proud to say. I'm happy to say. 59 degrees, 46% humidity, winds in northwest. 8 miles per hour, mostly sunny today with a high of 72. Then tonight, partly cloudy, low 56. For Shabbos, partly cloudy, a high temperature, 71 degrees. Yushalayim's at 82, Tel Aviv at 73, Haifa at 75, and Eilat at 88 degrees. We're at 59 as we wake up here on a um, Friday morning era of Shabbos at JM in the AM. 23 minutes before 7 o'clock, ABD with Anim Zmirot next at JM in the AM.
Thank you.
הרים צלול כיין, וריח תורנים, נישא ברוח הארבעים עם כל פעמונים. ובתרדמת אילן ואבן, שבויה בחלומה, העיר אשר בדד יושבת ובליבה. ירושלים של זהב ושל נחושת ושל אור, הלא לכל שירייך אני כינור. ירושלים של זהב ושל נחושת ושל אור, הלא לכל שירייך The wells are filled again with water The square with joyous crowding On Temple Mount within the city The shofar rings out loud Within the caverns in the mountains A thousand suns will glow We'll take the Dead Sea Road together that runs through Jericho. Yerushalayim shel zahar veshel nechoshet veshel or Halo lechol shirayich ani kino. Yerushalayim shel zahar veshel nechoshet
decided to put that one on right after we heard the news early this morning that Dudu Fisher is scheduled to join us this coming Monday at JM in the AM. Yeah, can you believe it? Dudu Fisher is scheduled to join us this coming Monday. He'll be doing a show in Manhattan next week. He'll be doing a show in Jersey next week, and we get to see him early Monday morning in Jersey, right here in Jersey City. Uh, and we'll uh, talk about all the uh, amazing things that he's up to. Dudu Fisher. Monday, right here at JM in the AM. Plus, next week is going to be an amazing week in general because uh, we have the remarkable live radio broadcast coming up from Breweria High School. And that is happening on Wednesday. That's right, this coming Wednesday here at JM in the AM. This is the kickoff of the Breweria 50th anniversary celebration as they get set for their golden anniversary. And uh, we are very much looking forward to it. We're going to meet some great people, talk about one of our uh, favorite places. We have been associated with Breweria in one way, shape, or form for almost the entire last 30 years that JM and AM has been around. Uh, so we're looking forward to it. So if you're anywhere near Breweria High School this coming Wednesday morning, keep it in mind. We'll be there between 6 and 9 a.m., kicking off their 50th anniversary celebration and uh, celebrating their golden anniversary all in one all in one big radio broadcast coming up on Wednesday right here between 6 and 9 a.m. on JM and the AM it's Isru Chag today hope your holiday of Shavuos was remarkable Erev Shabbos Parshas Nusso with candle lighting time at 7.49 on this Erev Shabbos 7.49 your official candle lighting time here are the Maccabees
Friday morning on this uh, May 17th, the 8th of Sivan. We call it Isru Chag outside of Israel since the holiday ended last night. Hope your uh, holiday of Shavuos was uh, wonderful. Hope you had an opportunity to uh, partake of the wonderful customs and traditions and, of course, the delicious delicious, uh, menu (laughs) that we have on the holiday of Shavuos and that you had a uh, wonderful... Last couple of days. Erev Shabbos Parshas Nusso, candle lighting at 749, and this is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. From listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Around the world on the web, jmnam.org. 7 o'clock in the morning, news from Israel is next, and plenty more coming up, including our Bayudin at 15, and of course our weekly update coming up at 7.40 this morning right here at JMNAM. Galit Sal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast, Erev Shabbos, next at JMNAM. אומר ראש הממשלה בנימין נתניהו, אמשיך במאמצים הבינלאומיים להגן על ישראל. I follow closely day and night the rapidly changing situation around us. I will travel to wherever needed. I will meet 
with whoever is needed, and I'm doing whatever is needed to protect the security of the citizens of Israel. אני עוקב מקרוב יום ולילה אחר השינויים המהירים באזורנו. אני אסע ואפגש עם כל מי שצריך כדי לשמור על ביטחון אזרחי ישראל. כך נתניהו בפתח פגישתו בירושלים עם שר החוץ של גרמניה. וברוסיה ממשיכים להגן על החלטתם לחמש את אסד. כתבנו ליאור אבזון. שר החוץ של רוסיה, סרגי לברוב, אומר כי הוא אינו מבין את התרעומת בעקבות מכירת מערכות ההגנה האווירית לסוריה. אתמול הודיע לברוב כי ארצות תעמוד בהסכמים עליה חתמה עם דמשק, בהם סיפוק של טילי S-300. הבוקר דיווח הניו יורק טיימס כי רוסיה העבירה לסוריה משלוח של טילי קרקע ים חדישים מסוגי חונט. השר לביטחון הפנים יצחק אהרונוביץ' מבקר בחריפות את המפגינים החרדים אמש בירושלים במחאה ההמונית נגד גיוס בני הישיבות בהשתתפות כ-30 אלף בני אדם. ההתפרעות והפגיעה בשוטרים מזעזעת, אמר אהרונוביץ' בתום שיחה שערך עם אחד השוטרים שנפצע בהפגנה והוסיף כי המשטרה תמצה את הדין עם הפורעים. לדבריו, התנהגות עבריינית, מחאות בלתי חוקיות ותקיפת שוטרים לא ישנו את עמדתה הנחושה של הממשלה בעניין השוויון בנטל. כתבינו הדס שטייף ויותם ברגר מעדכנים כי לפני זמן קצר שחרר בית משפט השלום בירושלים שבעה מהעצורים בהפגנה בתנאים מגבילים לבקשת המשטרה. ביישוב הרוער בנגב נפצע קשה ילד בן שמונה בפגיעת רכב כשהלך ברחוב. הוא פונה לבית החולים סורוקה. כך דיווח כתבנו רמי שני. בחדר מדרגות בבניין מגורים בנהריה נמצא בצהריים מטען חבלה מאולתר. כתבנו קובי מנדל מדווח כי חבלנים של המשטרה נטרלו את המטען ואיש לא נפגע. במסחר במטבע חוץ, הדולר ירד היום בעשירית האחוז, ושערו היציג נקבע על שלושה שקלים, שישים וארבע אגורות וארבע עשיריות האגורה. האירו נחלש בשתי עשיריות האחוז, ומחירו ארבעה שקלים, שישים ושמונה אגורות ושבע עשיריות האגורה. מזג האוויר לאורך סוף השבוע תחול עלייה בטמפרטורות וייעשה חם מהרגיל. אלה החדשות שעורך אילי לוין. Oh, 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 oh,
نشام را بکردی نشام 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 نشام
Neshama program, my thanks to Norman Laster, Chazen Benjamin Muller, the uh, featured uh, artist, the featured cantor, with those selections here on a Friday morning. It's Isru Chag. Hope you enjoyed your Wednesday and Thursday two-day holiday of Shavuos. We, of course, were off the air for the holiday and are back here on this Friday morning as we get set for the weekly update just about 15 minutes from now, plus Rabbi Yudin coming up at 8.15 on the topic of Parsha's Nusso, an amazing music stream all day long. We call it the Erev Shabbos music stream. There's no better way to prepare for Shabbos. We continue to hear this from people. That there is no better way that they always, always turn on our incredible stream with whatever method they use, the iPhone app, the laptop, the computer, the telephone, whatever method they use in order to tune in, listen in, and enjoy an Erev Shabbos with all of our Remarkable music. So keep that going all day long today, of course, at jmtheam.org. Erev Shabbos Parshas Nusso, candle lighting at 749. Many synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. 59 degrees, mostly sunny, a high temperature of 72. Then tonight, partly cloudy, low 56. For Shabbos, partly cloudy, a high temperature, 71. You shall lie at 82. We're at 59 here in Jersey City as we say good morning. It's JM in the AM. Weekly update coming up. Plenty more as we'll go through the uh, events of the last couple of weeks and uh, get caught up on all that stuff. Don't forget our Facebook update page, Jewish Radio World with Nachum Siegel, Jewish Radio World. With Nachum Siegel on Twitter, Nachum Siegel Net, or Tall Jewish Radio. Either one, we suggest you follow both of them so you never miss anything. How do you like that? JM and the AM, here's Shua Kessin.
entitled Shira Hadasha done by Shamayim. The duo Shamayim from the CD Hameir La'aret. Friday morning, Isru Chag. Boy, you don't hear that more too often. Friday morning, Isru Chag here at JMM on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Nusso. Candle lighting at 749. <laughs> Someone from Israel told me, said, I asked somebody in Israel how Yuntiv was. I don't know, so long ago, I didn't remember what it was. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. Mostly sunny with a high temperature of 72 or at 59 degrees right now. Speaking of Israel, temperature in Yushalayim is 82 degrees. How do you like that? Uh, coming up after uh, JMNAM this morning, an encore presentation of one of Naomi Nachman's amazing programs entitled Table for Two. That's coming up between 9 and 10 Eastern Time on our stream at jmnam.org. Starting at 10 o'clock, an amazing music mix like you've... Uh, like you've never heard before in preparation for Shabbos, it is the best way, the absolute best way to prepare for Shabbos, tuned into our live music stream, starting at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, all the way until candle lighting. It is uh, simply remarkable, and uh, you'll enjoy it. So keep that going all through the day. Then tomorrow night, Avrami hosts Saturday Night Seagull, beginning at 10 p.m. Eastern Time on the stream at jmnam.org. And Matis has JM Sunday, starting at 7 a.m. until 9 o'clock on the uh, stream at jmnam.org. Check all the uh, programming out and enjoy as we start to get to a, a normal schedule again after this uh, interruption, this wonderful interruption for the great holiday of Shavuos. Well, it's confirmed this coming Monday, Dudu Fisher in our studio. Dudu Fisher visits us this coming Monday right here at JMNAM. Looking forward to it, hour three is when he'll be walking into our studio. Dudu Fisher has a couple of big performances next week. Stops by JM in the AM first on his way to all those performances. We'll speak to him coming up on a Monday. And a reminder that on Wednesday we kick off the Breweria High School 50th anniversary celebration. That's right. They are set for their golden anniversary. Uh, it's all going to be happening starting with their uh, big dinner the JEC dinner coming up um, at the beginning of June. But we will officially kick off the Breweria High School 50th anniversary celebration by broadcasting from Breweria this coming Wednesday morning between 6 and 9 a.m. If you are anywhere near the area, make sure to stop by and say hi and get ready for some wonderful people. We've had an amazing association with Breweria High School over the last three decades, and we get to celebrate five decades together beginning this coming Wednesday morning right here at JM in the AM. 7.47 on a Friday. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us for the weekly update here on a Friday morning. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Well, it's good to be back with you. I'm glad to have you back. Oh, thank you so much. Hope your shvuas was remarkable. Hope it was wonderful. It was very nice. There you go. And a clear warning to Syria, according to the New York Times, to stop the transfer of advanced weapons to Islamic militants in the region. A senior Israeli official signaled on Wednesday that Israel was considering additional military strikes to prevent that from happening, and that the Syrian president, Bashar al-Assad, would face crippling consequences if he retaliated. The Israeli official said, and I quote, Israel is determined to continue to prevent the transfer of advanced weapons to Hezbollah. The transfer of such weapons to Hezbollah will destabilize and endanger the entire region. If Syrian President Assad reacts by attacking Israel, according to this official, or tries to strike Israel through his terrorist proxies, he will risk forfeiting his regime, for Israel will retaliate. 
Malcolm, is Israel bluffing? And is it possible that Syria might call their bluff? Israel's not bluffing because they already did it. And they've done it more than once. Um, and they have been very effective in what they're doing. But the goal is not to remove Assad and not to interfere in the civil war, but to deal with Israel's strategic need, which is to prevent uh, sophisticated weapons, whether they be missiles or uh, chemical weapons or other things that could be game changers for Hezbollah, reaching Hezbollah, uh, and as they get word and by the various means by which they can watch uh, what is uh, transpiring inside Syria and when things begin to move, uh, they will act. And what they're saying is that if, Israel, if Syria decides to retaliate, and there are various methods by which they have said they would. One is by opening up the border to the Golan, to terrorist organizations. Uh, two is to, to enable Hezbollah to attack from the Golan. Uh, three is by uh, rocket fire or, mis- or mortar fire. There were two shells that fell on the Hermon uh, over Yontif, and they, the Israelis believed it was really random fire, but one of the terrorist groups said it has to do with the revenge for the Nakba, which is, uh, you know, was celebrated by the Palestinians. It's just their day of tragedy when Israel was created. So the message is a clear one. Yeah, but there, and I mean, it's a message also to Russia, which is saying that they're going ahead with the sale of the S three hundred, which is uh, create a defense system and uh, and enable uh, Syria to hit planes sixty miles away, um, limiting Israel's ability to uh, to react. And also these new, the um, very advanced uh, anti-ship missiles, uh, which are already on their way, these things getting into the hands right. of Hezbollah would create a, a very different situation for Israel to defend itself. Back to the potential bluff, it is the first time that in any way Israel has publicly spoken about the Syrian president forfeiting his regime, right? And that they'll make sure to take care of that. They said that he puts it at risk and that uh, he could lose it because if they if they have to retaliate uh, with full force, it certainly could uh, shift the balance or remove him from the scene, enabling the rebels to win. Again, that's not Israel's goal, but um, but they cannot be put in a position where they can't retaliate or where they cannot prevent these transfers. Assad has said he will allow Hezbollah to have everything he has in, in, in appreciation for their support. There have been other developments that we have seen. And, and by the way, the, I think the army uh, of Assad has been doing better lately and has consolidated its hold in certain areas, certainly around Damascus and recaptured some other areas. And uh, there are large numbers, uh, estimated as many as 60,000 Alawites, who are coming from militias. These are groups trained by Hezbollah in Iran. Uh, who have now joined and bolstered the army, which is uh, tired and uh, depleted somewhat. This gives them uh, a lot of additional uh, uh, fire. They've lost people uh, from the Syrian army to al-Nusra because, uh, from the the rebel groups to to al-Nusra because of the um, lack of weapons, lack of uh, material and, and, and funding. But uh, and al-Nusra is, is gaining at the same time that the Syrian army is gaining, shaping up this, uh, the possible showdown. The, the, um, the they've also created some strongholds, and there are other methods that they've used trying to cut off the, the rebels from any supply routes. 
So the the situation there is is definitely in flux. It's not a, a slam dunk that Assad is going to fall, as people thought, in a short period or, or even in the foreseeable future. You would have preferred, I would assume, as we've discussed in the past, that this Israeli official not have called the New York Times with this report? Well, it's not consistent with what uh, with what Netanyahu said when he was in uh, in in Russia. They're they're issuing stern warnings. Uh, no, I, I'm not upset that he he said it. It's uh, it's not a line that has not been used in various forms uh, before. The Israelis, as I said, have very high stakes in this, and I think that the that it was an answer to some of the threats that were emanating from. Uh, Assad's uh, circles that uh, Israel was putting down the markers saying don't think you're going to start allowing them to shoot at us from the Golan and that you're going to sit in Damascus and not pay a price for it. Right. Uh, You mentioned Assad's army doing better. I mean, we've read over the last couple of days some of the methods that are used in order to uh, uh, in order to forcefully um, uh, you know, take down the other side. It's it's already gotten the attention of the United Nations, shockingly enough. So the methods that he's using, or that his armies are using, is are, are quite appalling. Well, it seems that both sides are using pretty appalling methods. Uh, but he certainly is responsible for the larger part of the deaths. They're estimated now at over eighty thousand, and on some saying already a hundred thousand uh, people who who have been killed. Um, the uh, the use of chemical weapons has been disputed, but it seems that there's a general consensus now that it was used at least in limited fashion by the Syrian army. Uh, the the increase in in weaponry and firepower, and the fact is that they they killed regardless of men, women, and children. There's no limits. You know, Israel gets taken to task when it operates in such a pinpoint fashion and in such with such precision and putting itself at risk not to have civilian casualties on the other side, shooting from within civilian uh, populations. And here Assad is, is, and, and the, the forces allied with him, Iran, even the Russians who are backing him, are, are responsible for these massacres of tens of thousands of people, and the international community is in, incapable of acting in any way, and it's certainly sending a message to every terrorist group, to every would-be dictator, that you can get away with it. I mean, it's not. There's no price to pay. So, how strong or weak was the uh, statement by the United Nations? It, it was very weak. It was a resolution. It carries no weight because they can't get a resolution because China and Russia will veto it. Um, the it, British said that they would double down on their arms supply. The United States is still not willing to put weapons in and not sure who you're giving the weapons to and how they're, where they're going to end up. And we see that many of the groups who are fighting, the rebel groups, are not groups we want to be associated with and that the Free Syrian Army is, uh, is also not proven itself. So it, you know, it's very hard to see who, who you're going to give the weapons to and without really stringent controls. We don't want to see what happened in Libya and other places where the weapons get turned on us and end up being used against Israel. And right. It's why Israel is so sensitive about these weapon shipments. Was Netanyahu even close to successful regarding convincing Putin to stop these sales? So far, it does not appear so, uh, nor was Secretary Kerry uh, and others who have tried to convince Putin not to go ahead. He said this is a long-standing deal and they're going to live up to their commitments. Um the the one consolation is that it would take time until it's delivered, installed, and you have to train the people. Now, unless the Syrians have been undergoing training in Russia 
uh, secretly all along and are really prepared to operate the systems, it would be some time before they would be in place. And frankly, I think one of the messages Netanyahu may have given is, if you do this, understand we're going to have to take it out if they deploy it. So, and uh, and and Putin has his own agendas. You know, he said all the right things about Israel and Israel's, uh, you know, the relationship with Israel, but his actions belie it. Speaking of the right things about Israel, the Prime Minister of Canada doesn't stop his amazing rhetoric, does he? He, he is quite amazing, and he was attacked by one of the newspapers. Uh, somebody wrote one of the newspapers is rapidly pro-Israel, <laughs> and uh, and the answers that uh, that appeared in some of the Toronto paper and elsewhere is remarkable. And he doesn't care. He is he, he is uh, doing it as a matter of principle. It certainly doesn't gain him much votes. You know, there's a poll that shows the only country which had pro-Israel numbers these days is is the United States. Not mm-hmm. even. Uh, not even Canada anymore really uh, shows uh, positive numbers. Uh, majorities in France, Germany, and China had negative attitudes to, towards uh, towards Israel. Certainly, all the countries in the region had about eighty three percent plus. Um, but they also view um, they also view the United States in many places negatively. Uh, only country where the United States is viewed overwhelmingly positively is in in is in Israel. By the way, no surprise to you, we have people north of the border who listen to this uh, segment on a regular basis, and it's good to mention this because uh, if they would in fact um, uh, 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 tell the uh, Prime Minister and inform him that they appreciate how much he's out there supporting Israel, it could only be something that's uh, you know looked upon favorably. So if you have an opportunity, Toronto, Montreal, and all the other great cities up in Canada. Make it known to your prime minister how much he is appreciated. Can you describe the Golan to us now? What is the north and northeastern border of Israel like right now? It's quiet. Uh, there, Israel is on high alert there. They've reinforced their presence there. Uh, they have the ban on uh, air traffic, everything has been lifted. Uh, so visitors are still going to the Golan. There's uh, there was a you know a periodically uh, there's a, a stray shell that flies across but nothing that has done any damage and right now it's quiet the the on the other side of the border you know the Syrian army has largely withdrawn and and we have seen the presence of some of the uh, rebel groups many of which are are Islamist uh, and terrorist organizations but they have not approached the border and Israel is making sure. To try to keep uh, them distant from it. America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County now at 91.9 on the FM dial. Good morning, Rockland. Around the world on the web, jmnam.org. Back to our regular schedule the day after Shavuos. Full week of JMNAM begins Monday morning starting at 6 a.m., make sure to join us. Malcolm, when you uh, heard about the uh, IRS scandal, and now we see there's going to be a second resignation in regard to the um, a report that they were targeting uh, certain right-wing conservative groups, etc., etc., uh, I'm sure you have been uh, informed uh, over the years, or at least you've heard accusations over the years from certain people, where they felt that pro-Israel groups were targeted specifically by the IRS for audits and for a tough time. Did this uh, enhance the possibility in your mind that that actually happened years ago? Well, it certainly has happened periodically, but 
uh, I know that there were uh, references in some of the stories that this was also about Israel or pro-Israel right. groups. There was one instance of a group that, that claims that it was uh, unduly uh, harassed and treated uh, unfairly by the IRS in, in uh, extending and repeatedly questioning them. But it, it, there is no other organization that has come forward, and I have tried to find out if other organizations have been similarly affected. And so far, we have not ascertained that there is any pattern towards pro-Israel or Jewish organizations uh, being being uh, singled out. But it's something we're, you know, we're obviously always monitoring and looking for. But the scandal itself tells you how, how the system can be manipulated and how high it can go in, uh, in, in amongst authority figures. Um, so it's something that we all should be concerned about. When you say how, how, how high it can go, are you anticipating we'll find out that there may be more that the White House knew about this? I think that there may be more people in the White House who knew about this. Right. Uh, let's go to the Iranian elections for a moment. We keep reading about the potential for some surprise candidates toward the end of this campaign. So here's a, a very interesting thing. You know that the choice is obviously up to the Supreme Leader about who runs, but the, he uses the Guardian Council, which he appoints, as the vetting body. Right. And they have approved several candidates uh, amongst them, uh, Vayati, who used to be the foreign minister, a doctor who once treated the Supreme Leader and he has trust. One of those named in warrants by the Interpol for his, activity, his involvement with the bombings in, uh, in Argentina. The same with Rasanjani, who is now trying to join uh, as a candidate, but it was being threatened along with uh, Ahmedinejad's uh, former aide, uh, Mashali, who is also uh, trying to run. They will uh, may well be knocked off the list for various reasons. Uh, Rajmanjani also faces this uh, indictment, the, um, and that was why Iran was trying to make a deal with Argentina, which they've been negotiating and obviously couldn't conclude. Where I think which would have cleansed some of these uh, people. The, the other key candidate, Jalili, who was the negotiator, uh, and for for Iran. Uh, but I would say the front runner would have to be Valianti probably right now. Uh, but it's reflective of the divisions, both the division between Ahmedinejad and Khamenei, and also uh, the divisions within Rasmanjani, who was 79, served as uh, prime minister for many years and, and uh, was a president. And the uh, the others have served in government. Uh, this is. Uh, there is a lot of feeling amongst the people that they are dissatisfied with the candidates, and you may well see, contrary to what the media is saying, uh, efforts on the streets, the demonstrations. Again, the Iranians are working day and night to prevent any kind of manifestations like last time, the Green Revolution. Um, but we'll have to see whether the people uh, still react to uh, to this. There's no candidate really enjoys wide popular support, I would say, but uh, obviously the, the choice is Khamenei, and he'll make sure his candidate wins. What I, I always ask you, I always forget, the date of the election? It's uh, June 14th. Sharif. But on Tuesday we're going to find out who the candidates, uh, who, who the candidates are. But, but what was interesting is that when uh, Rasmanjani and Moshali got, uh, announced it, they were threatened with violence uh, for even entering the uh, process. The, the former mayor of Tehran was another one of the candidates who, who has placed his name in. Uh, there were like 600 or more candidates. They ruled also that no women can be candidates for president. Uh, there's a surprise. Uh, uh, Sharif wins in Pakistan, right? 
Sharif one. No surprise there, correct? Well, nobody knew for sure, but yeah, it looked pretty obvious. And Erdogan is planning on visiting the Gaza Strip. Yes, and he may be joined by President Morsi of Egypt, who probably doesn't want Erdogan to go there alone and get the credit. Uh. Uh, he just visited the United States. He, he appeared with the president at a press conference yesterday. Uh, well, I didn't see it, obviously, because of Yontif, but I, I did hear enough about it where it does not appear that they ended up on the necessarily on the same page. Uh, Erdogan's uh, visit, which is strongly opposed by the United States, so he put it off until after his trip. And I know they tried to dissuade him, as did Abbas, tried to dissuade him from uh, going, but clearly he has his uh, own agenda and is uh, going ahead uh, with the visit. Uh, he's uh, He has expressed disappointment with the reaction of the West on Turkey. He's very adamant about removing Assad. Uh, he also violated another one of the principles of the negotiations between Israel and Turkey, when uh, Comoros, a country in a small country in Africa, announced yesterday that they were going to the International Criminal Court to bring a case against Israel on the Mavi Mamara, on the incidents in, the, you know, in Gaza with the ships, um, and claiming uh, that Israel, I guess, violated international and even war crimes. Uh, but what's interesting is that they were represented by a tur- Turkish firm, law firm. So it's clear that this was uh, set up by Turkey. Uh, and Comoros, because they're a member of the International Criminal Court, which Israel isn't, U.S. isn't, um, is bringing this case. It's not believed by most legal experts that it will go very far, but it is continuing evidence that uh, that they have not, that Turkey has not moved on the, in terms of the relationship with Israel. They're asking huge amounts uh, of money. What is interesting is inside Turkey now, the Syrian refugees who are there are fleeing. Some of them are going back into Syria from Turkey, and others are saying they can't show their faces since the bombings that took place, uh, which they linked to Syrian, the Syrian regime. But the anti-Syrian refugee atmosphere is so tense, and many people were beaten up, and, and because of that, they don't, they can't show their faces in public. And uh, and that adds to the tension and the concerns that, that Erdogan has to deal with, uh, that he knows that this is very unpopular at home and that this thing is dragged on. He wants to see, uh, you know, more international action, especially U.S. providing weapons. And this is all after the uh, overtures by Israel and to an extent by the United States as well. Not by, not to an extent. It was the U.S. that brokered it. And, right. uh, Kerry was there several times and, you know, the president received him yesterday. And the, the, there is nothing redeeming about the Erdogan. He's, he's trying to spread his Islamist message. He's failed in his outreach to a lot of countries. Now he's trying again with, uh, as did Iran. He's trying again now with, uh, maybe with President Morsi. Uh, but, uh, Morsi himself is facing a, a lot of difficulties, uh, in Egypt. And we, we saw yesterday seven Egyptian security guys kidnapped, officers kidnapped in the northern Sinai near Israel, and he, uh, he is trying to consolidate his hold on the executive. The Muslim Brotherhood is increasingly unpopular amongst many of the Egyptians. The judiciary, because it, it dismissed the uh, election of the parliament, so the upper house is trying to pass legislation, but he can't get through his, his Islamist agenda. So right now they're focusing on replacing ministers, taking control, consolidating their hold on the army, and uh, on the in the media, uh, and then looking to to try and keep the party together. 
after the next election. I asked you about the northern border a few minutes ago. Now tell me about the border in Gaza. I read a couple of very interesting, some humorous articles over the last couple of days about what's going on regarding the tunnels and the uh, border in general, Egypt, Gaza, Israel. How would you describe it? Yes, you know, they make fun by talking about them bringing in KFC, you know, chicken right. across through the tunnels and, and having a delivery system where it takes them four hours to get the, right. to get the pizza delivered. But um, but it's not funny because these are, are, are working over time. We're seeing more and more weapons, still weapons from Libya, uh, going to the Sinai and going into the to Gaza. Uh, so the situation in both places is is very serious. Um, the Palestinian Authority is having more and more problems. Uh, they, they just recently banned a group of kids who played in a soccer game that was sponsored by the EU, EU because they played against Israel. Uh, the Hamas is saying that they'll have in three months some sort of a unity government. It's not likely to, to be the case, but the, the tensions within the PA uh, continue. Yeah, that's for sure. And and it's unbelievable how, in the, I mean, in, in the chicken article, and anybody who wants to see it, it was a New York Times article, you could look it up. They're describing the activity through these tunnels as if it's, you know, <laughs> as if it's, it, there's freedom down there to do whatever you want. Well, there is. The, Syri- the Egyptian government has closed and destroyed several hundred of them. But there are, you know, at times 1,100, 1,200. They go, they, they, they're contracted under license from Hamas, they get a percentage of whatever goes through. I don't know if they pay on the chicken, but on everything else. And, uh, and, and, you know, people dismiss it, but it's very significant. Egypt has seen that the blowback to Egypt is, is, is dangerous. But we've also seen in the Palestinians this focus on the Temple Mount. There was a meeting in Cairo the past week of the Arab League, but they, they are inciting the people saying that, and including Jordan, which has taken, the, the parliament in Jordan wants to take steps to call back the ambassador, and uh, both the Israeli ambassador in, uh, in Jordan and the Jordanian ambassador in Israel, uh, over the Judaization of Temple Mount and claiming that they want to replace Al-Aqsa. It's the same stuff that they have done all the time to rile the people, and now in this, the mood is so, uh, the religious extremist mood all over is, is very great. We saw in Syria where they dismantled the tomb of a of a Shiite um, a Shiite holy site, and because the, these guys believe that there shouldn't be any markers anyway, they destroy cemeteries, everything, um, including in in Saudi Arabia, which uh, in Medina, where you once had the largest Jewish population at the time, wow. uh, all the cemeteries, everything that marked Christian or Jewish sites were have been destroyed. They take all the markers off and anything that uh, is a remembrance because they say you shouldn't have any of these uh, uh, sites. But they're, they're feeding this, this uh, the Sunni-Shiite battle, which I said many times on the show, that people should watch it. That is the core today of what we're seeing. All the fights, if you look what's happening in the whole region, it's all boiling down. Iraq is today destabilizing and being caught in the same battle between the Sunnis and Shiites. Iran and, ter- uh, Iran and, and Turkey, I mean, down the line, these battles are more and more coming down along two sides. You have additional factors, but the Sunni-Shiite battle is at the core. And if, and if you're Christian or Jewish, there won't be any room for you in any of these places. Well, there's already no... The Christians uh, are being eliminated, and the Jews ha- were long ago out of all of these countries, but they would like to eliminate it from the one place where the Jews still are. Right. 
Um, I saw a book review of a uh, of conditions of Christians in in Egypt, which you've spoken about a million times. I mean, it's just horrendous. And, uh, and you know what else? The people are going to be afraid. The Russians uh, said it this week about what happens when all these guys who have gone to Syria, the foreign fighters, go back and become then jihadists in their own countries. Mm. And uh, I mean, that's got to be something that scares the French, the British, the the Irish, the Russians, and others who, where they have even a couple hundred guys. When those guys go back, and you notice this week the revelation, I think it was yesterday, in fact, about the cigarette smuggling group that was arrested, fifteen right. people. And you know that how many times I spoke on this show why people should take seriously about homegrown the the, the domestic efforts of terrorist groups and how they raise money. Usually it was Hezbollah that had been making $500, $600 million a year in, in illicit cigarette sales in the United States. This group was Hamas-affiliated, and one of the members even was tied to the guy who killed Ari Halberstam and to the blind sheikh. Right. But you see that it yielded countless amounts of money, probably hundreds of millions of dollars, that is raised through this one thing. And now there's an extensive study that's going to be released that shows... The Hezbollah's involvement in the drug, in, in illicit drugs and, you know, generic drugs, creating false drugs that are not real, but marketing them in Europe and in South America and in the United States, which yield billions of dollars to them. So when you ask, how can they afford to do all these things around the world, and it's not just in Lebanon or in Syria, they're getting this money, and, and they're raising money from, from Americans, Canadians, from uh, let alone from South Americans and, and elsewhere. What was the estimate on the cigarette ring? Um, how much was... Uh... They don't know the real numbers, but it's this Virginia and New York uh, route, which we've talked about many times, because it's not the first time this has been caught. This is a, But this was a massive ring, and it probably yielded uh, at least $100 million, and maybe much more. Finally, Malcolm, a lot of us are very concerned about what's happening within Israel itself. I'm sure you are as well as you view some of the things going on. Let's start with this one. Uh, the battle over the chief rabbinate and how the chief rabbi will be appointed and who eventually will be appointed. Do you see this as going down in a uh, a very difficult battle to the end? I do. Another one of the candidates, uh, Rabbi Igra, dropped out uh, last night. Um, it's, it's reflective of other problems. It's not just the question of, of who gets elected. Uh, I think it's it's very unfortunate. Maybe there will be changes in the laws about it, but uh, I would hope that calmer heads would get together, decide on on somebody who can really serve the purpose, uh, help unite the Israelis at a time when we see so many divisions along religious and other lines, uh, and play a, a very positive role. We've had it in the past. Many great people have served as uh, chief rabbis. Uh, and I hope that that will be the case now. You know, we've just concluded a holiday whose central theme is unity. I mean, most holidays really have a central theme. That's right, of unity. most holidays. But, but this, this one, one, right, this one in particular, totally. right. And uh, we are in this period of time, and uh, we know that just days ago there was uh, conflict at uh, at the Kotel Maravi, the Western Wall, which is, of course, so significant in our history and is next, right next to the most holy spot in, in Jewish history, the Temple Mount. Uh, I don't have an answer to all this. I don't want you to think that I'm a good armchair observer of what's going on. But it seems that this strategy of head-to-head conflict and the way that it escalated and the way the world is looking at it and the way Israelis are looking at it is not the right approach. Uh, Anything you can uh, say to uh, shed some light on this issue? 
any light I could shed, I've tried to shed on it. But the, um, you know, one has to look at how the world looks at it, and how when the that incident again at the hotel, how it was portrayed in the media here, I made front page of the newspaper right. at a time when we see Israel being delegitimized from the outside with Stephen Hawking's uh, right. decision not to go to Israel, the Church of Scotland saying we have no ties to it, even though they backed off a little bit. The uh, Oberlin College, uh, case after case, day after day, literally every single day. Um, when they, they, um, the efforts to undermine the Jewish claim, the Jewish status, the Jewish stake in, in uh, Israel, and the security, uh, by that, the security of the state, when we do it to ourselves, it's certainly unforgivable. It never was forgivable. We've always paid a high price for the internal disunity, and uh, frankly, anybody who sows those seeds has to be held to account. I mean, people on all sides of these issues, uh, there are people who who are really well-intentioned, who have real concerns. There are ways to, to address it. Violence is never the way. Provocation is never the way. They've got to be addressed in constructive ways. Um, I know Sharansky has tried to do it. It looks like his solution is, is, is falling apart. But we have to look at this, you know, step back and take a look at what price we're going to pay for all of this. We've got to reestablish and, and what a Kaddish Baruch Hu, what God looks first and foremost from us, for everything He does for us, is the unity of the Jewish people. And you know what scared me? I, I read at some point since Yantav ended the, uh, you know, now they're circling the calendar because this is always a Rosh Chodesh confrontation, or at least it seems that way, that it's going to be... It is based on Rosh Chodesh. Right, it's based on Rosh Chodesh, and that's three weeks from now. And, and I say to myself, my God, you know, it's the enemy that usually sits with a calendar and circles certain dates. In fact, you mentioned one of them earlier today, you know, when they'll attack, when they'll rally, when they'll protest, when they'll, you know, take violent action. This is this is not the way. I don't have an answer, but this is not the way. You no, know, there, there was during the uh, period also a report that came out about the Mohammed al-Dura case. You know, the little boy was seen by his father where they right. uh, showed that this was not legitimate, that it was uh, staged. Mm -hmm. um, the report, I hope, will come out in full, uh, done by a team of the experts. I'm sorry it took them so long to do it, Israeli experts, but, you know, it shows how far the libel of the Jewish people has gone and the, the intensity of this campaign, which should never be dismissed. You know, there's so many good things happening. Israel found a new the new gas field. You look at the the on Yom Yerushalayim, what we have to celebrate, what how much Jerusalem has been developed, how much how far it has come, and yet we we undermine all of that. That that is even more unforgivable. It's one thing the things that we can't control that we can't deal with, but I think these things and when we're facing you know an Iran that is increasingly aggressive, the region where the Muslim Brotherhood. Uh. On the move when they, if you put in those countries, on all sides, has to step back and say, "God, we can't afford this." And they're we coming; they're coming this. from all sides, every direction, every direction, internally, externally, uh, abroad, and uh, and and uh, the level of the threats, whether it's you know chemical warfare or missiles or the Russian sales of these advanced weapons, and the Iran moving all the time closer and closer. They just finished two rounds of negotiations; they're absolute failures. Nothing happened. But what did they do? They, they, they set up another meeting and, and buying time, moving ahead all the time while we're focused on, and the world is focused on, on uh, other things. They're moving ahead constantly towards, towards the goal. You see what's happening in Egypt and, and uh, elsewhere in the region, uh, and, and that should be a, a, enough of an impetus and incentive, aside from the positive reasons why we should be, uh, 
why why we should be together. By the way, I'm glad you mentioned Hawking's. I wanted to I wanted to bring it up as well today. He he just caved into pressure, or uh, how would he, he caved it into pressure? But his arguments are ridiculous, and it's the the most uh, ironic thing is that the system running the special equipment he has is based on Israeli technology. Oh my gosh! And the uh, you know it's so it's really. Uh, uh, you know, it's really quite ridiculous. I assume I assume that's been revealed to him at some point. Oh right? yes, yes, it's been made public. Oh, yeah. But you know, it's people who control. It's people. You know, he claims to wrote to him, uh, and I think some of there have been some very articulate answers uh, to him uh, that uh, made the case about the one dem- liberal democracy in the whole region, and that's the one. He chooses not to go, not to a political conference, but to an academic conference, semi-academic conference, right. the Paris conference, where he would have had a chance to say whatever he wanted to say. Nobody limits him. Right. And and yet he choose, chose to, to make this public declaration. And we see others. We see people in the entertainment world and others, yeah. which is why our programs to bring these people to Israel is is even more important. And, and, and we have to sustain it because it's the only way to expose the lies. No question about it. Well, the uh, we're back uh, speaking uh, during the weekly update, but we still haven't solved the world's problems. How that's possible? One at a time. <laughs> One at a time is right. Thanks so much. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Malcolm Holmline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. We'll reconvene a week from today, Friday morning, with the weekly update right here at JM. And that's right, folks. It's Friday, believe it or not. Candle lighting at 749 on this era of Shabbos Parshas Nusso. Many synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. This time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody, and good Isruchag. I hope you had a very pleasant and meaningful Shavuos. And today, Isruchag, Friday, we focus on this forthcoming Shabbos of Parshas Nosso. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Nosso with its 18 mitzvos. You have at the beginning of Parshas Nosso the prohibition of someone who is Tomei, ritually impure, having come in contact or been under the same roof as a dead body to go into the Beis HaMikdash and we observe this law today by not going on the Temple Mount yet please God we will have the Pora Aduma, please God we will the Red Heifer, we will have the third Beis HaMikdash and these laws will once again become relevant in our day you have in Parshas Nosso the laws of the Sota, the suspected adulteress. You have the laws of the Nazir. Ten out of the 18 mitzvos focus on the Nazir, the Nazarite who abstains from drinking wine, cutting his hair, attending funerals. And Parshas Nosso has Birkas Kohanim, which we will come back to, the priestly blessing. And finally, it has a distinction of being the longest Parsha in the Torah. You have 176 verses in the Parsha, and the length of the Parsha comes because at the end of the Parsha you have the detailed gift that each 
of the tribes brought on the occasion of the dedication of the sanctuary in the desert, the Mishkan. Now the Torah could have consolidated this at the end and made Nasa one of the shorter parshios of the Torah by saying that this same gift was brought by each of the princes. However, the Torah repeats the exact same gift again and again. And perhaps you can give or understand this because, interestingly, while some say that they actually got together and determined one would not outdo the other, the Medrash is very, very uh, full of suggestions as to while each brought the same, each had a different intention. Each of the twelve tribes had a different way, nuance of serving Hashem, and each of these korbanos reflected that particular mission of that tribe. I'd like to focus this morning on one aspect of Birkas Kohanim, the Bracha HaMeshuleshes, the blessing of three verses, which is found in this parsha, and I'll focus on the last of the three psukim. The first is Yivarechacha Hashem V'Yishmarecha, Hashem should literally bless you safeguard you. The second verse, Yo'er Hashem God should illuminate His countenance for you and be gracious unto you. Vichuneka. And finally, that which we will focus on, Yiso Hashem May Hashem lift or shine His countenance upon you Shalom, literally, and give you peace. Now, the Medrash in this parasha, chapter 11, paragraph 7, teaches in the name of Rav Yossi ben Dustoi, what does it mean when it says, Yishso Hashem Panov Elecha, that God should shine His countenance, or literally, He should show you special consideration. Says the Midrash, this refers to Davar, that which is of a personal nature between you and God. Now, the question is, how are we to understand this? So, I'd like to share with you an exciting Aderis Eliyahu of the Vilna Gaon, who begins by pointing out the following interesting Gemara. In Kedushin 39b, Rava teaches in the name of Rav Yaakov, Schar Mitzvah Bahai Almoleka, which means that God does not reward us for the performance of mitzvos in this world. Now, I'd like you to discuss why not. I'll suggest that literally there is not the currency in this world for God to reward us. Meaning, if you are selling your car, so now a car has monetary value, I can pay for your car with money. However, mitzvos are eternal. Mitzvos come from God. 
and he is priceless and eternal, and therefore, in a very real sense, there cannot be a reward for mitzvos in this world. However, at first glance, and even at second glance, there is a major problem with this, because the we know that Hashem keeps His Torah. What does that mean, Hashem keeps His Torah? Well, number one, in the opening paragraph of that which we're going to say tonight in the Kiddush of Vayichulu. So, what does the Pasuk say? God rested and He completed His work on the seventh day. Oy, on the seventh day, how could Hashem create anything on the seventh day? He Himself keeps the Torah and He doesn't work on Shabbos. So, Rashi comes up and says, wait a minute, it only looked like the seventh day to us, but to Him it wasn't the seventh day, or he created minucha, he created the ability for us to have that capacity to rest on the seventh day, but I have to tell you, the Gemara in Megillah 9a, which tells us that 72 elders of the Jewish people were sequestered, each one in their own room. And they were not told, nor could they consult with one another, why they were being brought together. Talmai the king told them they were to translate the Torah into Greek, and interestingly, Hashem inspired all of them to make certain changes, and among the changes were, they all said, Hashem completed on the sixth day, lest that Talmai and others would not understand. The Talmud, in the first chapter of Brachos, tells us, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu puts on tefillin. He tells us to put on tefillin, and He puts on tefillin. So much so, that the Talmud as much as asks, what's written in his tefillin? And whereas in our tefillin you have Shema Yisrael, in His, which is our praise, and our literally pledge of allegiance to Him, He has in His tefillin, His praise and pledge of allegiance to us, Umika Amcho Yisrael Goyachod Ba'oretz. Given that Hashem keeps the Torah, asks the Mepharshim, points out the Vilna Gaon, a very interesting question. In the 24th chapter of Devarim, the Torah teaches that a employer is to pay his workers in a timely fashion. And the Torah says, Biyomo titain scharo. Chapter 24, verse 15, literally on that day shall you pay his wages. If so, how is it that we just learned a moment ago in the Gemara, Kedushin 39b that schar mitzvah Baha'i Alma Leka, that God doesn't give reward for mitzvahs in this world when He's supposed to give us the reward literally on the day that we perform the mitzvah. So one of the interesting answers is based upon a law in Choshen Mishpat, chapter Shinamites 3:39. Paragraph 6, whereby you have an interesting technicality of law, that if a employer 
hires his workers. via an emissary, via an intermediary, then in such a situation, neither nor is the mishaleach, the employer, nor the shaliach, the intermediary, neither of them violate this law if the wages are not paid on time. Now, if that's the case, God gave the Torah through a shaliach, through Moshe Rabbeinu, as we say Torah, Tzivolonu Moshe, the Torah was given to us via Moshe, and therefore God does not have to give us the reward, the Yomo, in the proper time. However, we all know, just having undergone the Yom Tov of Shavuos, and we read this in chapter 19 of Shemos, that the entire nation of Israel heard the first two commandments. We heard the mitzvos of Emuna, Anoch Yashem to positively believe in God, and Lo and we are not to have and to entertain any other divinity in our minds or in our actions? If so, we cannot at first glance have any tainos, have any complaints to God for His not giving us the reward for the 611, but He does give us a reward for the mitzvah of emuna, And that's what the Medrash means when the Pasuk says, Yisoh Hashem Panav Eilecha, that Hashem will literally show favoritism and special consideration to you, says the Medrash. This refers to Davar She Beincha Leveino, that which is specific between you and God, namely the mitzvah of emuna. However, listen carefully, we find something very, very fascinating. And that is as follows. Each of the mitzvot that we do contain not only the element of the act of a mitzvah, but it contains more. And I'll show you something very fascinating. This morning the men resumed to wear their tefillin. Something we did not do on Yom Tov. Before we donned the tefillin, we recited a bracha, Baruch Atah Hashem, Blessed are you God, Elokeinu Melech Olam, literally, our God, King of the Universe, who commanded us to, come on, in this case here, don the tefillin, the women this afternoon will light the Shabbos candles, who commanded us to, though it's a rabbinic mitzvah, but the idea is, why do we include in the bracha, Elokeinu melech olam. Why could not the text of the bracha be, Baruch ato Hashem, Asher kitshanu, the mitzvosav, who sanctified us and commanded us, specifically, put on tefillin, put a mezuzah, whatever it is. Why Elokeinu melech olam? So the answer is, that in every mitzvah that we do, and we recite a bracha, we clearly demonstrate that we're not doing this because of some tradition that we have. We're not doing this because mommy said you can't get breakfast until you eat 
until you put your tefillin on, until you daven shachris. The reason why I'm putting on my tefillin is because Elokeinu Melech Olam. I recognize that God is the God of the universe. I recognize that He gave us the Torah. I recognize that there's a relationship between me and Hashem. And so every single mitzvah contains the element of emunah as well. So sharp points out the Vilna Gaon. So once again, let's go back to the Pasuk in this week's parsha. You saw Hashem Panove Lecha. God will show you favoritism. Why? Because of the specific mitzvah of Emunah. So we started off by saying we get for Emunah those two first of the Ten Commandments as a Opposed to the rest of the 611. And now we're saying no. Inherent in every mitzvah is the additional factor of emunah, of faith which is contained therein. And that will help us understand the Gemara in Brachos 20b, whereby Rabavira taught that the angels challenged God and they said to Hashem, My goodness, you say in this week's parsha that. Come on, you saw Hashem Panavelecha, but yet it's written in the fifth book of the Torah, in Parshas Ekev, in Pas- chapter 10, Pasuk 17, God does not show favor and does not accept a bribe. So how could He show favor to us? So the Medrash, the Gemara rather, gives a powerful answer and says, Look, in my Torah I said, V'yochalta, you shall eat, be satiated, and then bless God, which is Birkas Hamazon, the grace after meals. And we, says the Talmud, are strict upon ourselves that even if we're not satiated, even if we've eaten but a kazayas, which is literally the size of an olive, or a kabetza, or an egg, we will still recite the Birkas Hamazon, meaning we go out of our way for him. He goes out of our way for us. But look, of all the examples, the Talmud brings the example of the Birkas Hamazon, and I'd like to suggest, according to the Gra, why? Because you have within the Bracha, Elokeinu Melech Olam. The idea behind this is most powerful. Not only in each of our mitzvos is there this element of emuna, but ideally the Jew lives with emuna. If he invests in a deal, and the deal does not go the way he wanted it to go, or, please God, the other way, if he's invests in a deal and it goes better than he even thought he's to realize and recognize it's not quote his lucky day or unlucky day he's to recognize the call to Ovid Rachmana Letav Ovid everything is done with God's personal direction and intervention. God wanted me to have it. God did not want me to have it. And so the entire day is literally one whereby emuna, our faith, dominates. And for this, please God, there is reward in this world. Wow! A very refreshing way of looking at Birkas Kohanim, and may we be the beneficiaries of this blessing for many years to come. Shabbat Shalom to all.
comes from the Mzumin CD, Mimkomcha, here at JM in the AM. There it is on a Friday morning era of Shabbos, coming up at 9 o'clock Eastern Time, right after JM in the AM, Naomi Nachman and Table for Two. We'll be doing an encore presentation of one of Naomi's uh, great programs. Coming up at 10 a.m., an amazing mix, and I mean an amazing and incredible mix of Erev Shabbos selections, which you will absolutely love. It is the best way, the only way, the most incredible way to get ready for Shabbos. Keep the stream going all day long at jmnam.org. Don't forget, Avrami hosts Saturday Night Seagull tomorrow night, 10 p.m. Eastern Time on the stream, jmnam.org. And Matis, of course, hosts JM Sunday to kick off our week, starting from 7 until 9 a.m. this coming Sunday morning and every Sunday morning at jmnam.org. I am back Monday. The rumor is that Dudu Fisher visits us Monday, and the rumor is true. Dudu Fisher visits us on Monday morning in hour number three. I am already looking forward to it. And don't forget, Wednesdays are big, 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 big celebration at Brewery High School in Elizabeth, New Jersey. We'll be there this coming uh, Wednesday morning between six and nine. Kicking off the Brewery of 50th Anniversary Celebration. That's right, their golden anniversary is coming up. It'll officially begin at the JEC dinner at the beginning of June, but unofficially, we start it off, we kick it off this coming Wednesday morning live from Brewery. Join us between 6 and 9 a.m. It should be a spectacular live show. Quarter before 9 o'clock, candle lighting at 749 on this Erev Shabbos. Parsha's Nusso with Schwabel, Scharf, and Levine. Oh, yeah. 
with Menucha Vesimcha. Shwebel Sharf and Levine had curry bone. You heard Mizumin with Mimkomcha. Friday morning, Isru Chag on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Nusso and candle lighting time coming up at 7.49 on this Erev Shabbos. Many synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. 59 degrees, mostly sunny, high 72. Good weather for tomorrow in this area. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, time to say good Shabbos with journeys at JM in the AM.
Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. And that wraps up an interesting week here at JM and the AM. <laughs> A little bit of an interrupted week by the great holiday. Of Shavuos. Don't forget Monday, Dudu Fisher joins us live in studio. Looking forward to his visit. Don't forget Wednesday next week, Brewery High School 50th anniversary celebration. We kick it off between 6 and 9 a.m. Wednesday from Brewery High School. Very much looking forward to that live radio broadcast. Have a fabulous Shabbos. Great weekend, everybody. Don't forget Naomi Nachman comes up next with Table for Two. Then an amazing day of our Arab Shabbos music stream. Tomorrow night, it's Avrami with Saturday Night Seagull on the stream starting at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. And Mat this Sunday morning starting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time at jmnam.org. Till next time, Achim Siegel reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future. <laughs> <laughs>